0: The Lord is risen, is risen indeed. Amen. That was wonderful. Thank you, choir, praise team, musicians. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Going Up Yonder was one of my favorites from back in the day when the Harkins family was singing. I was joking that you could add a bridge and make it new. And uh, so they did. They added a bridge and made it new. But uh, Going Up Yonder it's a classic. Amen. Amen. Well, since I was thinking about choirs, I was asked to make an announcement that next week there's a gospel choir fest that some folks may be interested in. You'll see an announcement in a a minute or so. And uh, so that's something that's happening in our community, I think. Yeah, there we go. So hopefully you'll have opportunity to uh, be part of that. It's really wonderful to see you all today and be with you on this Easter Sunday. There was such a powerful... um, uh, skit and dramatization, that was just awesome. Amen. So I just. So I, I'm not going to be long with you because you had a very powerful message in that drama. So I won't be long, but let's just take a little uh, time to be in the scriptures this morning. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together. We give you thanks because you're good. You are greatly to be praised. Thank you, Father God, for sending your one and only Son your only begotten, the Lord Jesus, so that all who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving your life, being obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And we give you thanks and give you glory because you were raised from the dead and God exalted you, gave you a name above all names. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are great. And we come today to glorify you, to celebrate that you are alive and active in this world. Have your way, Lord. Help us to um, interact with your word over these next few minutes and that you would allow us to leave here even changed over the way we came in because we've encountered the truth of your word. I pray that you would use me, even my limitations to somehow give you glory and honor today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I admit it's a little strange to have Easter Sunday, or as many of us prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday, fall on April Fool's Day. Um, yeah, and Easter was a pagan holiday and Christians took it over. So for the folks who love their King James, Easter's in your King James. It's in, it's in uh, Acts chapter 12. It says before Easter, modern pa- tra- translations say before Passover. But, um, but being April Fool's Day, I mean, I want to say Jesus rose from the dead, no fooling. Um, but it's people who might think that we're the ones being punked because we believe in someone who allegedly rose from the dead. But I just want to reiterate today that the resurrection is central to our faith. We could come to church and sing. We can come and make some good connections. We could come and maybe listen to a self-help message or something and maybe go away feeling better for a little while. But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then we're just going through the motions. We're wasting our time. If there's no resurrection, then our prayers fall on deaf ears. If there's no resurrection, then we have no future beyond the grave. The resurrection of Jesus is the bedrock of our faith. It's the foundation upon what everything else is built. It's core. It's a non-negotiable doctrine of our faith. One scholar put it this way, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything based on that belief collapses in a heap of broken dreams. So I want to encourage us this morning that Jesus is alive. And as we look into this, into the Bible, this Resurrection Sunday, I want to make these three points. The resurrection of Jesus is at the core of our Christian faith, as I've just been saying. The resurrection of Jesus shapes the direction of our lives, will point us in a particular direction. The resurrection of Jesus means that one day we will be raised from the dead. Amen. So let's look at a passage of scripture today, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Kephas, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God." You know, there are many special moments you have with your children, if you have children. For me, some of those moments included them asking or talking about things that they already knew. I was even in the green room and heard a little one say something that I heard her say earlier in the day, turned to her mommy and said it again. uh, There's something comforting in talking about things you already know. We would talk about family members. I'd tell them a story about my childhood and they'd ask me about it again i tell them about when they were born and they would always uh, ask that story. Around the dinner table, we would share memories of some road trip or, or some other common experience. There's something comforting for having a conversation about things we already know. And this is what Paul says in verse one. He says, I want to remind you of what you already know. And that's what we do this morning. We rehearse what we already know. Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, other important events that happened in the life of the church, allow us to be reminded of what we already know. And hopefully that reminder will bring us some peace. Hopefully the reminder will bring us some comfort. Hopefully that reminder will give us hope. We wanna have our faith renewed because we all need our faith renewed from time to time. In 2007, the Discovery Channel put on a documentary called The Lost Tomb of Jesus. It was produced by James Cameron. He's the guy who made the movie Titanic. So I was playing charades with some friends. And uh, Titanic was one of the words we were supposed to act out. And I had Titanic. I never saw Titanic. So I was trying to dramatize a ship hitting an iceberg. And I wasted an awful lot of time. The other team, somebody went like this. I'm kicking the world. Did I get it right? (laughs) That's me, but I never saw it. But James Cameron, he did this documentary and it was about something that happened in 1980. Now he did it in 07, but what happened in 1980 was that in an area of Jerusalem, an ancient tomb was discovered under a building site. And inside that tomb, there were 10 what are called ossuaries. You'll have a picture up here of an ossuary. It's a bone box. After somebody's placed in a tomb, like Jesus was, usually after about a year, family or friends would come and get what was left, the bones. The tomb could be reused. The family could take the bones and they'd put them in a stone box and inscribe something on the box. There are caves around that part of the world full of ossuaries, what was special about the box found in 1980 was that it allegedly had writing on an, Ar- an Aramaic that said, Yeshua bar Yosef, which means Jesus, son of Joseph. This is not an April Fool's joke. They definitely found an old bone box. There were ossuaries near it, as I mentioned, there were 10. They had the names Matthew, Joseph, Judas, Mary. Do you see the possible problem? I mean, could there really be a box with the bones of Jesus in them? Everybody should have shouted no. (laughs) We've had 2,000 years of Christianity. If you think there is a box with Jesus' bones in them, then we have another problem here today. CNN did a piece on this in 2015. And scholars pointed out there's lots of problems with the whole find. And I won't go through all of that because even the box that says son of Joseph, it definitely says Bar Yosef on it. It's that first name that's a little bit fuzzy that some people want to see Yeshua in there. It's just not very clear. But looking at our text this morning, I would hope that no bone box would shake your faith. This entire chapter 15 is about the resurrection. And the apostle Paul starts out by affirming the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says that he's passing along the same truth that he received. He affirms what all believers know. Again, he's reminding them of what we already know. Christ died for our sins, he says, according to the scriptures. Christ was buried and Jesus rose again, he says, according to the scriptures. There's much more that Paul could say about the gospel But what he does say is is focused on the resurrection because that's what his theme is for chapter 15. He goes into a long discussion about the resurrection. He wants to affirm what believers have already known. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Amen. Years ago when I wasn't serving a church, there was a year or so when uh, I wasn't uh, serving a church and my little sister wanted me to consider serving this church in uh, part of D.C., And uh, so we decided to go visit the church. They were without a pastor. So I say we decided. My wife really was the one who wanted us to go on Easter Sunday. So we went, and it was a small congregation. Uh, And that's okay. I grew up in a small congregation, and there were a lot of the trappings of being a small church. Like, we were the first ones there. I'm just letting you know, visitors are often the first or earliest ones to church, which is probably why you didn't get the seat you thought you were going to get when you came today. So we got there early. People uh, came eventually with the key and let us in. It smelled funny inside because there was a hymn book that was laying on a light that had been sitting there for a while and the page was starting to burn through. There was just a lot of little things like that. And I kind of just smiled because, like I said, I grew up in a little church. I'm kind of sympathetic to things not always being perfect and being right because that's like my life. So I am. So so we went through the service and they even did a makeshift choir. Just anybody who's ever sung in the choir could come on up and people came on up. And and it was, you know, it was kind of homey. And then the guy who played the piano was the guy who, was gonna, who got up to preach that Sunday. So when he got up, he said, I'm not going to be long with you, which is what I said to you when I got up, because it's sort of disarming. If you tell people we won't be here long, oh, good. So he said, <laughs> he said, I won't be long with you. He said, because I want to go home and have some chicken. So he said, who wants to go home and have some chicken? And my teenage sons raised their hands all so eagerly. <laughs> I mean, they were honest. So the guy starts to go into this message and he starts to talk about how Jesus didn't really die. He said Jesus just fell asleep. He said he fooled everybody. They thought that he was dead, but he got up on Sunday and he had fooled everybody. He had just fallen asleep. So I'm sitting there saying this is blasphemy. This is heresy. I should be tearing my clothes because this is heresy. But people say amen because, you know, if you say heresy eloquently enough, there are people who will say amen. If you say heresy passionately enough, there will people say amen. Sadly, that's the state of affairs. But he missed the point because he misunderstood what Paul was saying. See, when Paul talks about believers dying, he uses a euphemism. He says, they fell asleep. You see it there in verse six. He talks about those 500 people who saw Jesus at one time. He says, some are still alive, but others have fallen asleep. In 1 Corinthians 1 uh, 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 Thessalonians, rather chapter four, where he talks about Jesus coming back and snatching away believers. He talks about those who have fallen asleep. If it's his euphemism for dying. We use euphemisms all the time because it sometimes sounds harsh to say so-and-so died. So we say they passed away we use a euphemism. But when it comes to Jesus, Paul never uses a euphemism. He is very plain and straightforward to say Christ died. Every time he does that, Christ died. His point is that he wants us to appreciate how remarkable a resurrection is. It's not that Jesus fell asleep on the cross and then after resting in a cold, dark tomb, he woke up. But that's a resuscitation, not a resurrection. Paul wants us to know beyond doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. And to emphasize his point, Paul points out that many people saw Jesus after he was put in the tomb. Paul makes clear that the resurrection is at the core of our faith. And he goes on to verify the resurrection by naming names, people that these Corinthians would have known about. He calls Peter by his Aramaic name, Kephas, which also means rock. And that's his like, favorite name for calling a Peter. And then then he starts, and we saw it in the drama today where Peter experienced the empty tomb. He experienced a living Jesus too. Paul calls the disciples, the 12, he says, they saw Jesus alive. Then he says more than 500 followers saw him alive at one time. Then he mentions James, the brother of Jesus. Then he says all the apostles saw Jesus alive. Then he points out that even he saw the risen Jesus, even though he's an apostle who came late to the party. The point of Paul naming names is that the Corinthians know these people. They could verify what Paul is saying. And even though the Corinthian believers may not have met Jesus themselves, Paul says, you know, some of the people who did meet Jesus, they saw him alive. For Jewish people, what, two or three witnesses to verify something? Paul says, oh, there's a lot more than two or three. Sisters and brothers, if you know something, to be true, I mean, really know it, then you will act on it. If you believe in something, you will act. I mean, a simple example is how you came in here and you sat on these nice cushioned seats. You had every reason to believe that they could hold you up. So you sat on them and you didn't even think about it. If you interview for a job and they offer it to you and they say, hey, come Monday, start on Monday morning at nine o'clock, you'll be there at 840 you know, because it's work and not church. <laughs> you'll come expecting the work because they said there's a job for you and you will believe them. We act on what we believe to be true. So all of the apostles reoriented their lives because they believed Jesus rose from the dead. They all went into mission for Jesus. We know Paul's story, how he got confronted by the living Jesus on the, Damascus, on the road to Damascus going up to Syria and he was blinded by the light got reoriented, became an apostle. The direction of Paul's life changed because he encountered the risen Lord. We're reading his words today because he met Jesus. Peter and all the other disciples who remained alive after Judas, they put their lives on the line because they saw the risen Jesus. According to church tradition, all the original disciples died a horrible death because they, their ministries were resisted, but they stayed steadfast in preaching Jesus. I mean, I could mention a whole bunch of stories. We don't have time. But they put their lives on the line because they believed Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, if they were not convinced, they wouldn't let people nail them to crosses upside down or have their heads chopped off. I'm pretty sure when it came close to those moments, they would say, you know, on second thought. They believed that if Jesus came to life after he had been brutally executed, then so could they. You know, I was seven years old when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And this week coming, we'll reflect on it being 50 years since he was assassinated. Now, I didn't understand the impact of it all at seven years old. I remember a special school assembly and some of my teachers were crying during the assembly. But in many ways, Dr. King, a messenger of the gospel. Yes, civil rights leader, but fundamentally a messenger of the gospel. He reoriented his life because he believed Jesus was still alive and his bones weren't in a box somewhere. Dr. King preached convicting messages, but there was hope, hope that God would come through for his people. Sisters and brothers, the reality of the resurrection gives us hope. I mean, there's so much in this world today to discourage us. Wars, rumors of wars, political confusion, racial tension, more shootings of unarmed black men, economic uncertainty, And then we have our own personal problems. I mean, some of us have struggles at work or parenting struggles or relationship struggles or pressure caring for people in our family, loved ones. I mean, there's a long list. I'm here to say that the reality of the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope because the resurrection says that God is real that Jesus is alive, that Jesus still loves and Jesus still cares and Jesus still saves, that he sent this Holy Spirit to live in us and among us and that no matter what happens in this world or what happens to us, God will never stop loving us or watching over our souls, amen, amen. So the resurrection of Jesus is at the core of our faith. The resurrection of Jesus reorients our lives, pushes us into action and gives us hope. The resurrection of Jesus means that one day we will be raised from the dead. Paul goes on to say this in chapter 15, starting at verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, when the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under God so that God may be all in all, amen. Do you have confidence today that if you died, you'd be with Jesus? I mean, while hanging on the cross, Jesus says to one of the criminals, today you'll be with me in paradise. Would you be with the Lord today if today was your last day? I've been to a lot of funerals. My first funeral was for my older brother. He, one of my older brothers, he was shot up in the Bronx. He was 19. I was 11. It was horrible. And I couldn't bring myself to go past that casket. I was scared, and I I still can't get the memory of my mother out of my head and her reaction that day. I hate going to funerals, I'll be honest with you. I became a pastor, and now I officiate them. They can be horribly sad, but, but, I mean, I don't have to tell you how miserable death is, but, but we know death is an enemy. Yet, for those who place their faith in Jesus, our sorrow does not last forever. We don't sorrow as those who have no hope, Paul would say. We know just like Paul says here that Jesus has defeated death. Death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? Jesus has conquered the grave. Amen. Amen. Yes. So, so where are you today and where is your hope? I look forward to having this mortal corruptible body being made whole and incorruptible and thin and i look forward to one day after falling asleep in jesus to be awakened no more sickness no more disease no more death do you have that same expectation amen (laughs) old song says as i journey through the land singing as i go pointing souls to calvary to that crimson flow Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord leads me on, through him I would win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. I'm looking forward to being in glory. Amen. I was reflecting on that song this morning. And then when I walked into the, into the lobby, big brother Barry, he said, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And then we both talked about being center. <laughs> but that's another classic song. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, and the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there. Amen. I know you're looking forward to that day. I was in high school with a bunch of African American friends, and we were we were making our way from lunch to the next class. And one guy is just tearing apart Christians and the foolishness of believing in Jesus. And I listened because I wanted to hear his his arguments. And one of the guys in the group was my friend Leon. We played football together. We were both in the backfield and we had several classes together. So as we separated from the rest of the group to get to our class, Leon turns to me and says, "I'm sorry, Dennis." He said, "You know, those guys, they were really just going after." I said, "Hey, Leon, I'm That's not so odd to me. I said, my question is, where are you? I said, do you believe any of this? And he said to me, I'll never forget. He said, well, Dennis, if I had been there, I would believe. Oh, if you had been there. Remember when Jesus shows up to who we call doubting Thomas? Because Thomas said, you know, you got to show me. He's from Missouri. (laughs) I got to put my fingers where they nailed him. And I got to put my hand where they put that spear. A few days later, Jesus showed up. He says, Thomas, put your fingers, put your hand. You remember what it says at the end of John's gospel? Don't even tell us that, 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 that Thomas did it. He fell out and said, my savior, my God. And then Jesus pronounces a blessing. He says, blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen and you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet still believe. Folks, that's us. Jesus has pronounced a blessing on us. We weren't there. We didn't get to see. But he says, blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. We believe the report of faithful people. And when we believe, then we come to have our own experiences with Jesus. And we find him to be way maker, miracle worker promise keeper, light in the darkness. Amen. We find him to be a healer. We find him to be a provider. We find him to be a joy giver. We find him to be the one who'll listen to us when it might seem that no one else will. Friends, I offer you an invitation today. I want you to know Jesus for yourself. I want you to believe even if you have not seen, I want you to know that Jesus rose from the dead so that you can know God is real. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is present and active. And you don't have to believe in the resurrection because I say so. You don't have to believe in the resurrection because the apostles put their lives on the line. You don't have to believe in the resurrection to please someone else. You need to believe because you want all that God has promised. Believe because it's only through Jesus that you can have abundant, meaningful and eternal life. Sisters and brothers, we come today recognizing that Jesus is alive and active and in our midst. He still saves and he still cares. Lord God, we give you thanks today for who you are, for what you have done. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you did not stay in the tomb, but you rose from the dead to verify all that the Father has said and all the works that you did. Thank you that you are alive and active in our lives, yes, and in this world. We give you glory. Amen.